you are welcome to come into this space and stay a while. Listen to stories, hear a plethora of voices, be engaged with, enraged with and embrace what makes us unique. Meet, eat, connect. Join us in this community, communicate, strike up conversation, participate, pontificate and ponder what could be. Join us in celebrating artistry, from music through to poetry, in literature, film and creative arts. Join us in the questions and make your own suggestions. See answers as the start. Join us in openness. Demand justice for this city. Challenge the lines of history which reverberate. See how the legacies of slavery correlate with current inequalities. Join us in brokenness. Protest and be political. Demand justice and justness. Be conscious. Check your privileges. See how things could be different. Join us in celebrating authenticity, even when it challenges you to your core. See how ideas ripple, make new connections and explore. Investigate, interrogate and imagine what could be. Join us in faith and doubt. And whatever journey you are on from nowhere to devout, take time to reflect. Honour each other. Check what you carry with you. You are welcome to come into this space and stay a while. Hear a plethora of voices, be engaged with, enraged with, and see what resonates. Hello, my name is Emily McGrath. Thanks for downloading this inaugural episode of the Resonate podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Resonate Bristol team associated with St. Stephen's and Holy Trinity Hotwells churches. Welcome. Resonate is usually a physical event, however, due to current ongoing world events, we are trying some digital formats. For me, what Resonate is, is explored through my poem at the beginning of this episode. Perhaps those sentiments ring true for you, or perhaps you would describe Resonate differently. Perhaps this is your first encounter with our community. Welcome to all of you. We aim to cultivate an open-minded space where we can explore ideas. And in this time when we are physically separated, we hope these snapshots of our community can be a link to others. This week we host creative conversations thinking about poetry in lockdown. Later, I think about when the poem you write surprises you. We hear freestyle poetry from Lee Barnes, from Jeanette Plum who felt compelled to write a response to the current situation, and the reflections and frustrations of Tracy Wheeler. First, though, I interview my guest Steve Broadway and we speak about his connections to poetry. I'm Emily and I'm from the Resonate team and I'm going to speak with Steve a little bit about his thoughts on poetry and Steve sent me some thoughts beforehand so we might pick up on some of those. We're just going to unpack it a bit and see where we end up. Steve, you said you've been reading a lot of poetry recently. What? Why? Well, well, exactly. I mean, I, I am, I do, I, I read an awful lot, um, but it's only probably in the last five years that I've, I've been reading poetry. I know, I know nothing about the technical aspects of poetry at all, but I do find poetry has this ability to encapsulate very, uh, depending on the, on the poet, very quickly, um, you know, something that will actually quite take me back and uh, give me something really to reflect on. Um, you know, much more so, it, a poet can do something in a line that a para, you know, a writer 
can't quite do in a paragraph or a book or or a, or a, a newspaper report and uh, uh, and it obviously varies but I've I have really started to enjoy poetry I, the person I didn't mention in in my uh, school of email was John O'Donoghue and he is the the poet that probably first came to my uh, notice and I, 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 I read, I've got about five of his books and I, 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 I read them uh, uh, frequently, refer to them frequently. Yeah. And you said you're reading particularly a lot of poetry now, is that a response <laughs> to the world that we live in now? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, uh, partly, you know, there's some of these things have, have, have arisen through sort of social media where you, you will see somebody's video response. Uh, there was an Irish uh, TV uh, or an Irish report, and uh, I think it was, it was uh, um, words of uh, a woman called Sarah Coffey, who they were, you know, incredibly powerful. Uh, and obviously, you know, you get somebody like um, uh, uh, Kate Tempest, who, again, as a performance poet, um, you know, has really made an impact for me, you know, whereas a few years ago, I'd have gone, what on earth is this? And actually, um, I think it's, it's been really impressive. John O'Donoghue, I mean, I have, there's a, uh, this is the, the book that I'm, I always refer to. It's a, it's a book of blessings and it is the most magical thing. And I've, I've, I've referred to that for, well, the, the, I say the book is dated 2008. Um, so that's probably when I first started getting interested in, in poetry, just able to deal with some life stuff in a very powerful way. Are you finding that you're taking anything from the poetry you're reading now, perhaps differently than if you were reading or engaging with this poetry outside of now? Yeah, well, it's it's interesting. I mean, I, 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 one poet that I've uh, that I've really enjoyed uh, over recent years is um, Helen Dunmore, and she wrote a book. Um, her her last book of poetry was when in her last year of, of life. And uh, so it was, it was done, her poetry was written under the threat of, of um, effectively, you know, a deadly virus. And, and so some of her words I'm reading now in a slightly different way um, to how I was reading them three years ago. And they're quite powerful. Um, they're the same words but the situation is different in my head. So those are really important. And, and uh, the, the same with Mary Oliver. I mean, Mary Oliver, I just think, is, I've got a, a real attachment to, to her words. She's got a, a power, power with, her, with her words. And, you know, rereading uh, some of her poetry, I, I've, I, you know, I, I, it's gelled with what we're going through um, at the moment, I think. Yeah. Is there somebody that you would say, I mean, you've talked about some of the people you've been reading, but is there something that is a favourite poem or favourite poet is, and, and why? I mean, I think John O'Donoghue is my favourite poet. I mean, uh, Chris G 
Gowen, who you know, and who's a sort of mutual friend, is, is somebody else who's incredibly powerful, has had a huge effect on the sort of stuff that, that I've, I'm reading. I mean, the John O'Donoghue, in his book of blessings, there's a, there's a fantastic, well, there's so many uh, poems, but there's one in particular, and it's the sort of blessing of, if I can find this, um, it's to cross the thresholds worthily when a great moment knocks on the door of your heart. Now, that's not relevant to what we're going through at the moment, but the power of his words are quite amazing. The one I've, I've been reading um, over the last couple of days is uh, um, A Blessing for Courage, uh, which is pretty, I mean, you just got away with words, a gentleness and a firmness with words, and that's what I, I love. It's interesting you bring up um, Chris, I think. Chris uh, Gowen has been someone who has um, gone out of his way to kind of cultivate, I don't know, ordinary poets in a way, to sort of say poets are out there and it, that poetry isn't something that is only belonging to a certain subset, but actually that everyone is writing um, and you just need to find those those poems and and equally somebody who's quite good at capturing I think as you say the the moments and ideas uh, I remember reading a poem he had written which uh, I don't remember the name of right now I'll have to look it up talking about that um, a sort of an, uh, a gathering of people and just kind of how he's able to capture the the just the moments that are beyond the what it feels like to be in a room full of friends and laughter yeah. and that that kind of thing but i think that maybe brings me on to writing um and you've been talking about doing some writing is that something that you have always done or a no, more recent I, response I, I i mean i've always i've always written i've you know i've got a blog for i don't know how long um uh, so uh, yeah, I I like words, but I I have an aversion to in, in my head to writing poetry. But actually, do you remember the the resonate uh, evening where you were encouraging uh, church community members to have a bash? And I I I, re I wrote my first piece of prose. I, I would hesitate to call it a poem, um, uh, and it was actually quite a powerful thing for me. What I wrote was rubbish, but actually the very process of it was, you know, it doesn't just happen, does it? I mean, you sit down and you ponder and you change. And, um, and, uh, and I think this uh, coronavirus uh, uh, crisis has, has really, you know, I wanted to, to respond to it. It's made me uh, want to try and respond to it. It's, it's also made me incredibly frustrated that I, I don't know enough about it and I'm absolutely rubbish at it. But it is, but it, there's something deep down that I just feel that I do need to, to make a response. It, it, it's a, it, you know, the response I made, I, 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 during this uh, lockdown, I've, um, we've self-isolated for, we're coming up to, to, to nine weeks now. And, um, and I started a, a blog diary just for me. Is, I haven't published it or anything. 
published that, so published on it. Um, and, and the same with, uh, um, but I've also done the equivalent of with a series of reflections. And a couple of, of things that I've, uh, that I've put in as reflections were prose. Um, and I've, I've, one that I wrote about three weeks ago, uh, I look at it again now and I think, what on earth were you thinking, you know? But actually at the time it was really quite important as a response somehow. So I just love that, that that's how it, people are responding in all sorts of different ways to this, uh, uh, to this crisis. And that's just one tiny little thing for me. I, I, I really do. I genuinely really struggle. You know, when I listen to or read uh, stuff that uh, uh, Tracy does, for example, at church, I mean, you know, I, I absolutely adore the stuff. She blogs. I keep encouraging her to try and, I want to see more. I want to see more. And she seems to do it effortlessly. I don't understand how. The same with you. I mean, you know, you blah blah blah, and you you issued a, a, a you know there was there was your your thing when you were you were talking about poetry for resonate this week. Oh my goodness me! That would have taken me a month of Sundays, and you know I couldn't have got the words to 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 go together. But somehow it feels important to have a go. That's that's the strange thing. Yeah, and I wonder whether there's something that is. Uh, for, for writing which is personal and it doesn't matter anyway so beyond yeah. what you write and I was thinking of a poem that I wrote about when my grandmother was in hospital um, prior, prior to her passing away and it, it may be that other people read that poem and have a connection to it um, and it may be that it, it has its own literary nest somewhere but for me as well it's just a shortcut to that memory and it, it yeah. captures that memory in a way that I, I, I think of that memory through that poem that I wrote now and it's something that kept that moment alive and it was just a very specific moment in months of her being in hospital that for some reason at the time I remembered this is some kind of moment that I want to remember or that felt different to the others and I that I had it in my head this image of it for several months uh, before I put it onto paper and so then it it was whatever it was and then yeah. it becomes a poem and, and then the next step is whether someone engages with it and whether it has any literary worth and I don't know whether I don't know whether I know that about any of my poems it, they just are some people probably like them some people don't it doesn't maybe it doesn't matter um yeah but that idea of just they are what they are, I suppose. But the, the, the strange thing is, in, I I do lots of drawing and take lots of photographs like you, um, but actually I do, I do them for my own personal enjoyment. I I I, I don't try and sell anything, um, and it feels exactly, you know, trying to do this this piece of prose um, three weeks ago. It felt as though it was coming from the same sort of creative process, um, completely different and completely, you know, oh, you know, really, you know, it's not O level. I mean, you know, it's it, it, it's really basic, but actually, it didn't didn't really seem to matter. Um, you know, it was it was okay because that was it was part of what how I wanted to sort of express myself. Um, 
Uh, have you found at all that your process of writing has changed as you've done a little bit more of it? Uh, because I, I think for me, I sort of the first time I was like, I'll write a poem. I'll just do that. I'm going to put put the words on some paper and sort of you know submitted it right. here or read it That's there. Exactly what I saw. <laughs> um, and that, that was fine. And I think that it was very sort of naive, but in a kind of pure sense, just was what it was. Uh, and then the more that I read poetry and thought about poetry and thought about words, that's almost when the, the self-doubt and the criticism yeah. becomes more. But, but, also, but also, aside from that, the sort of, okay, I can play with words in that way, or that sound sounds like that. And so I think you lose something of the, I could just write a poem. Um, but maybe you, you do, for me, you maybe gain something in how you craft that. I don't know if that, is that something you... Well, I, I, think, that, I think that does make sense. I mean, I, I, um, I, I can't talk from the same perspective as you. Um, but I, you know, when I did the thing for um, Resonate, my, my little piece, you know, I, my contribution was tiny because it was a whole, a whole evening. Um, and it was, it was a sort of major achievement for me in my, my little world that actually I, I committed myself to do it. But I was so disappointed with it that actually I don't want to touch it again with a barge pole kind of thing. That, you know, that's how it felt. That's how poetry felt. Oh, I don't, I, you know, I, I've tried it. I, I'm useless. I can't do it. But actually, you know, this has been sufficient time for me to have another go and be motivated to have another go by, as it happens, the coronavirus. Maybe there would have been another reason for me to do that. Um, so I sort of, I, you know, I'd like to sort of persevere just for my own sake because i think it's a bit of an outlet that that i need not to not to blog about it not to to share it with people but just for me um so it just so happened i'm i'm really pleased that you know having having you 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 contacted me amongst a number of people you know i i, I would have hated to have said oh i'll go away and write a poem then emily because I know that would have been absolutely rubbish. So I'd much prefer to have to have sort of reused one that I prepared earlier and as nap as it is. Do you know what I mean? You know, that's the that's the the, the way I feel anyway. Yeah. Um, and do you have something that you might read now? Well, I I have. <laughs> well, as it, I you know, I've got it. I learnt it by heart. Yeah, no, I I could read it. Yeah. That'd be great. I would. It all seemed to happen so quickly. Suddenly a pandemic engulfed us. We hadn't been here before, so we were all at sea. We were asked to stay at home and change to a new way of living. It was tough, but that's life and sometimes death. Some of us oldies even began to wonder, had we already hugged our loved ones for the very last time? Such sobering thoughts shake us to our souls. Scary unknowns, stark possibilities, life's uncertainties. And yes, we made lists of things we would do if we came through it. 
We would hug our families and friends. We would meet up in cafes and bars, go to cinemas and galleries. We would jump onto buses and trains. We would walk along beaches. We would arrange to have picnics and sketch out of doors. We would huddle in queues. We would never forget the simple pleasures of life when this is all over. And yes, through it all, huge positives did emerge. We learned to live more simply. We were humbled by the kindness shown by people. We didn't drive cars. There was no daily rush. The planet began to breathe again. We could see clearly in more ways than one. We rediscovered things that we thought we'd forgotten. We learnt new things about each other. We talked to loved ones almost face to face and kept in touch. We learnt how important friendships were. And yes, we also learnt some other huge lessons. We must stop greed and profit taking over again. We must limit the power of corporations. We must have politicians who want to work for us, not themselves. We must work towards having a more balanced media. We must value the workers and reward them accordingly. We must look after our beautiful world. We must treat all people with kindness when this is all over. Thank you very much. And very well read as well, which is uh, not a given. <laughs> with Actually, a that's, that is the one thing that I, that I have, I sort of understand about poetry, how important it is to, re to, to hear it out loud, to say it out loud. It's not like reading a book that I found. I mean, I may be just, you know, one tiny, tiny voice, but I read to myself in the, in the, you know, in the bathroom. I mean, it's pathetic. No, I think, um, I think, and this is particularly because my interest in poetry relates to spoken word poetry and the sound of poetry and the sound of words. But I think that's very typical of me to get a poetry book and to read it and then to read poems out loud and to read them to Nick and he doesn't care. But you know, <laughs> you know that that I think there you get something out of a poet poem from what you read and then you get something else. And I think I'm currently the way that I'm writing poems is very much about sound and they don't look like anything necessarily on the page they they have a different life if I read them or if someone reads yeah. them I, I know that they don't and I know that my um, comprehension and uh, writing of grammar and things are, are poor so that the way they look doesn't perhaps even capture what I would say how I would uh, how I would say them so I definitely identify with that um, uh, I was just thinking there, teasing out that idea of um, this balance of creativity where you're doing something for yourself and you, it doesn't matter what it sounds like. And yet the, the pressure of the why try, why bother, I think must in some sense come from that way that we expect that others might engage with it because I wonder whether if we're really saying it doesn't matter it's just for us I don't you know I, I'm only writing this for myself then maybe it really doesn't matter what we we write but there's something about what we create engaging with other people even if it's predominantly for ourselves uh, do you does that make any sense to you? I, I, I think it does make a difference I, I mean I it does make absolute sense I mean I, I there's part of me that actually wants to email uh, 
uh, mutual friend Chris Gone and uh, and say you'll never guess what I've been doing, and he will be you know I, I know he will be incredibly encouraging, and uh, but actually it, yes I know what you mean. This I I just I'm 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 on the bottom rung of the ladder and I'm I'm still far too scared to to do that. But I like the idea of, of a discipline to do that. I think that's the way. I'm a sort of project person. So in a sense, this is just a, a new long-term project. And I don't know how, you know, we could talk in six months' time, a year's time, five years' time, and, uh, and I'll go, oh, poetry, oh, I sold those books. You know. <laughs> and yeah, I think it's interesting because I, I was reflecting while I've been putting this podcast together that actually of late I very much just write poems for specific purposes. Uh, my manager asked us to present something in a creative way at work and I wrote a short poem yeah. or um, rather than it being part of a practice, I I like I think my brain likes a deadline. I've always been a bit of a last minute essay writer and there's something about that okay, yeah. I'm going to write a poem, so I'll just do it, um, rather than that longer process. Uh, but I don't, I don't think that's the same for everyone. I think some people are much more, just writing is very much part of, of who they are, or, you know, permanently or for a time. But, but yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> well, do you have any uh, more thoughts, final thoughts, general thoughts on poetry? Um, I think I think the there are it, it's partly on poetry and partly you know uh, uh, there are there are writers who's who's who have got an ability with words and that you know like people like uh, uh, Robert McFarland um, who is able to to write in almost a poetic way but he wouldn't call himself that um, so I all I would say is that I I'm I've really been enjoying um, opening myself up to uh, reading more more poetry, um, but I now realise that I want to learn. I want to know an awful lot more about um, to look behind the, the you know what I see on a page. Um, so who knows how that that will work. Mm. That's a, a nice thought to finish with the possibilities of what you will learn about poetry in the future. And we'll come back together and assess Absolutely. that. Um, well, thank you so much, uh, Steve, for talking to me, um, having this conversation and for sharing your own work as well. Uh, it's been really and I, lovely. And I still got some, some wine in my glass. So Great. <laughs> sounds like a, a good way to finish your evening thanks lovely to speak with you thank you hi my name is tracy wheeler and i am a poet it's taken me a long time to call myself that as we tend not to value what comes easily to us Writing poetry has for me been a habit, albeit one that ebbs and flows, since childhood. I turn to it to process what is going on in life, good and bad. I ruminate on matters of faith, 
in words. I enjoy the crafting process, shaving away the excess, paring down to only the necessary, well-chosen words. Sometimes these words rhyme, often not. Sometimes I share poems, sometimes they're just for me. My latest poem is longer than usual for me and has, has evolved first in my head and then on paper over the past few weeks. It's 24 stanzas of isolation, my response to the current COVID crisis. I'd like to read you some of them. They're numbered, so you should get an idea of what I've missed out in the timeline. They're a good example of me ruminating and using words to cope with what's going on in life. As well as being a poet, you need to know that I'm also a dermatology nurse and that I have lupus, so I'm having to shield. One, sometime in January, it's cold. I'm eating something hot and filling from a bowl on my lap. The news shows somewhere in China, woo what? It's cold there too, and people are dying. I finish my dinner. Two, later in January, news again. Further up the schedule now, Wuhan. People are wearing masks. It's hard to tell if they're afraid. It looks like SARS or bird flu or swine flu. We've been here before. And I remember the pandemic planning emails that used to bounce around the hospital network. I wonder what happened to them. Three. They're locked away. They can't travel to the US thanks to Trump, but then they can't travel outside their homes. Those poor people. Four. It spreads. I research transmission, symptoms, inactivation, feverishly clicking and scrolling. My youngest child bans me from mentioning it more than once a day. It has a name now. Six. Italy. Ah, Italy. How much I have loved you. How much I love you still. Those poor people. Seven. March the 10th. Six British deaths. 373 infected. We're passing it to one another now. So it begins, I intone, and I imagine I am King Theoden looking out over the ramparts of Helm's Deep, implacable in the face of the hungry orcs. Nine, March the 11th. We go out for our anniversary, 33 years since our first kiss. We sit apart from other diners and eat our body weight in Padron peppers. It feels like a last supper. 11. Is it safe, nurse? Nothing is certain. If you stop your treatments, your skin will get worse. 
my patient elects to stop and take the consequences. Afterwards, I find myself wishing that I had that luxury. 13. Sunday the 15th of March, to church. A nervous sharing of the peace ensues. Do we bump elbows? Use sign language? Mouth the words from a respectable distance? I accept a gentle sideways hug from a friend as a benediction. Afterwards, a coffee shop. And again, we know it will be the last. 14. On the bus, there's a woman coughing freely without trying to suppress it. I can see the droplets flinging themselves north, south, east, west, and I wonder if I can hold my breath for 20 minutes. 15. The over 70s have retreated from the world, my parents included. My father-in-law is locked inside his care home, snug as a bug. There is talk of shielding letters in the post to the most vulnerable in society. I check. I am not in any category. I am safe. 16. Friday the 20th of March. Last chance to drown your sorrows in a public bar. I stay inside. They are already drowning. 17. Monday morning at work and a consultant overhears me talking of my added risk factors. He does not know me. He shouts and points and tells me to go home. This is a rough kindness. That night, the lockdown is announced. The next morning, I read new guidelines that do apply to me. I'm grounded. 18. I'm given a laptop, a small number of patients who still need my call. I cannot see or examine them, yet I'm more connected to many of them than I've ever been. Me in my safe bubble, they in theirs. 19. It turns out I'm a natural squirrel. I have toilet roll, I have pasta, I have bread flour. I order a large amount of yeast from the internet, my one concession to the madness so far. 20. In a sea of featureless days, how do we navigate? Sunday becomes ever more important. A walk followed by virtual church, followed by a main meal at lunchtime. The crossword back to the old ways. 21. I'm a nut for graphs and love a pie chart. Always have. I gorge myself on grim data, delivered hot and steaming, five o'clock each day. 22. Isolation isn't so bad. I eat well and exercise, albeit in a limited fashion. I've been creative, 
bread making and gardening and drawing and writing and making masks and it's hard to tell what is therapeutic and what is an attempt to shut out the gathering storm. 23. I cry unexpectedly. Not at the litany of tragedy, but at a loaf unrisen, a seedling ungrown, a poem unwritten. 24. The new normal is what we're calling it at the hospital. Not that I'm there. I hear it at our weekly video meeting. There is a gradual though distant return to seeing patients, but mostly calling them up. We will never go back, not completely. Jeanette, you're gonna read a poem to us in a minute. Um, but I was wanting to ask, is, is writing poetry something you have done before or is this a newer experience? Um, I have done, but very intermittently, very occasionally. Um, I sort of am just driven to it at times. Um, and it is something that was driving me just suddenly. It was kind of building up over time. And I actually got up and wrote this in the middle of the night. <laughs> and and is is writing something that you in this case directly um done as a kind of processing of how you're feeling at the moment yeah i mean at times in life i've done sort of journal writing to for that kind of processing of life sort of diary journal type stuff um but never for long periods of time just short bits and pieces here and there um I always thought I'd end up writing a book, but never got further than one paragraph. So <laughs> maybe short form is the, the way forward. Uh, yeah. And do you do you read a lot of poetry? Do you engage with poetry in that in that way? Yeah, a fair amount. Having been an English teacher um, in the past, um, I've obviously done it from the point of view of teaching poetry. But um, yeah, I, I read a fair amount. And I've got a good friend who is a, a real poet, has had one or two things published. Um, uh, so I've read some of his stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is there anything you're reading at the moment or you're not reading poetry at the moment particularly? No, I'm not reading anything particular at the moment, no. Though I'll probably go and read some more Simon Armitage again now. <laughs> I've read his one this morning. Thanks. Would you be willing to read your poem for us? Okay. Right, so it's called House Arrest. Numb, dumb, stalled, walled. Automatic pilot, act, do, work. Don't think, feel too deeply. Floating, frothing, retching, reaching nothing, blocking. Dam breaking, longing, lurching, lamenting. Flaring, freeing, reeling, floating, in a rut, stuck, do, 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 hiding, comfort, stretching towards familiar, manage, smile, conquer, win, fighting, fleeing, floating, reeling, being, reach, wretch, regurgitate, don't fall, don't call, do, 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 control or chaos, plan or plummet, catch or crumble, Fight, flight, freeze all. 
bumbling, fleeing, falling, floating, flailing, feeding, mask slipping, no fresh manner. Shape, escape, reel in, reel, hit that wall, keep on running. Dig deep to the store, the core, mine it well, then drink, 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 living water. And now from Lee. To dance the life we live, the life that has so much to give, seems at the moment to be something that we can't really take for granted, although I could, in the privacy of my own home, stretch up my arms and move my feet to see what happens when I find an invisible beat. Because right now, my life, my soul, my heart, my mind is on the ground in the middle of this lockdown. And I wonder about the time when I rise up and we rise up together once more to connect, once more to meet, to breathe, to be free. What does it mean to be free? You are nearer than my breath. That's what you told me. We're not two meters apart, you and I. We're closer than light is from dark. But the stark reality is that in this moment, in this time, while noises surround me of young lives entwined, wondering what their future may be and the shape of it to come, you and I would still love to dance the life we live, the life that has so much to give. But our hearts and our souls and our minds are on the ground in the middle of this lockdown and we wait for the time when we may rise again and we may rise together, the time when we may meet and we may greet and we may move our dancing feet to celebrate the gift of connection, to celebrate the gift of each other, to dance the life we live, the life that has so much to give. So what can I really say? I woke up the other day and realised it was actually the night and I reached for the light. Sometimes in the middle of the night when you lose your sight, you can hear in the stillness something that you've been waiting to hear for a very long time, but you didn't actually realise you were waiting to hear it and it speaks. Sometimes it speaks so loud and sometimes so quiet. But either way, it's something that you needed to hear. On this particular night, what I needed to hear was look in the mirror, my son. So when I found the light, found my sight, I looked into the mirror. At first glance, it was not what anybody wanted to see at that time. It was something looking back at me that I wasn't sure what or who it was. But as my eyes adjusted and once again accepted who I was and began to love that person in spite of what they looked like, the mirror spoke to me as clear as I am speaking to you. Your extrovert is sad and your introvert is happy. Hmm. Yeah, what else? 
Well, your extrovert is bad and your introvert is rad. Okay. Old school language came flowing out of me and I realized what was happening in that moment. That actually during this time, in the middle of this time, my introverted side is rejoicing. It is glad. But my extroverted side is sad. And they were clashing. And in the mirror, there was two parts of me looking back at me. And I realized in that moment that I am just a bundle of stuff and I have enough, but it can be rough. And at times it's tough to know what it means to be loved and to love. Some things never change. Some things are never the same. Sometimes I have lost what remains. But the mirror continued to speak to me. That in these moments, in the pain, in the joy, in the two sides of a coin, you are being slowly rejoined. You are discovering parts of you that have been lost and forgotten. You are finding new parts that have never yet been discovered. And as they come together, as they fit together into one whole, transformation of your soul will come to place as you look at yourself and allow God to look at your face. I notice down my cheeks tears begin, began to fall. I notice in my heart that a new fresh stirring of a whisper began to call. I notice in my mind that there was a gentleness, a kind of turning of the key for me to understand me. Perhaps it was because I have some space. Perhaps it was because I was woke up when I thought it was day, but it was the middle of the night. And perhaps it was because I was reaching for the light that in that moment something spoke to me through a mirror on a wall in a bathroom do you see what do you see some things never change some things are never the same sometimes I have lost what remains but at the same time two sides of a coin are becoming rejoined and made whole you see what a beautiful gift it is to know that the work inside you and I has never found its moment to stop it continues to be shaped and to be formed to be molded to be stretched to be put back together to be healed of past present and future to find who we are once again in the midst of this place this sacred space this difficult place this challenging space so may the mirror speak to you as the mirror spoke to me, to look inside and see what the reflection brings back to you, but also listen for that whisper of the call deep inside your soul as you are rejoined and made whole. Finally, this is what I've been thinking about recently. My experience of lockdown has been largely in my house, working from home, and the way I've been getting out and exploring the world is through my daily exercise and I've been doing a lot of cycling. 
I went to a lot of places I'd never been to before, before lockdown, getting out into the countryside, um, and places I'd certainly never cycled to before. And through this I had this idea for a poem which has been going around in my head for a couple of months throughout lockdown, and I'm not quite sure if it's finished or not, but I'm going to read it here. When I came to sit down and write it, it wasn't the poem I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a poem about the psychopath in Bristol, about people I'd seen, and then it turned out to be something a little bit different, which I thought was interesting. 650 miles of lockdown. The first rides are hurried and scurried against the setting sun in air that still carries the edge of its winter chill, which can only be shaken off afterwards with mugs of tea and warmth acquired from steaming water in the shower. These rides are on the path that leads out to Bath, bisecting the east of the city and nearest to home. Here I find sleeping steam train carriages waiting to be used again. I find the River Avon meandering across its plains. I find familiar faces in their isolation bubbles. Some see me too, others I speed by. I try new routes to new places. I see how to connect the town in different ways. I find hidden paths and signs. I get out of the city into fresher air. I enjoy the warmer, longer days. I climb new hills. I go further, get faster. I reach the sea and stop and sit on the seawall for a time and breathe, and breathe, and breathe. By now I am obsessed with Strava and statistics. I have eaten too many flies. I have aching legs and a cycling tan. I have learned the head tilt to fellow cyclists. I have seen the land spring into life and now gleam as if freshly painted. This podcast was produced and presented by me, Emily McGrath, with music by Scott Holmes accessed through the Free Music Archive. Thank you to all of our contributors, Steve, Lee, Jeanette and Tracy. You can access us on Twitter at Resonate Bristol, through Facebook at Resonate, or you can email us at resonate at saint-stevens.com. We look forward to hearing from you and hearing your thoughts about this podcast and we will see you next time.